Welcome to Crime and Reason on Talk Zone, bringing you the backstory in high profile crimes that television leaves out. Now, here are the hosts of Crime and Reason, John Kelly and Leo Badenhausen. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Crime and Reason. I'm Leo Battenhausen here with my partner, John Kelly. Hope you all having a good week and a, a nice Wednesday evening here. And um got an exciting show for you planned. I wanted to start the show. I got a, uh, an email from an Emmy, Emmy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She wrote, uh, this was about last week's show. Gentlemen, thank you for a horrifying and angering discussion about the Vanderbilt University rape case last week. It disgusted me. What makes these monsters do such horrible things? I don't understand. And that's from Emmy in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And thanks for that, Emmy. Um, maybe we missed it. I was on my tirade about, you know, this this whole subject. And I can understand your anger, and I appreciate that anger, and it probably angers a lot of people. But I wanted to talk real quickly before we get into the the new topics and the new cases um, about this type of generation we're, we're living with now. They're called the millennials or the me, me, me generation. And these, uh, these rapists and abusers certainly fit into that category. You know, it's hard to classify them as, as they're, certainly they're narcissistic and sociopathic. However, um, unlike the rest of us that are 35 years or older, this is really the first generation of Americans that have grown up without the knowledge base of those of us 35 and older have grown up with. In other words, they've grown up in the video world, very computerized, um, very easy to do schoolwork, very uh, different type of communication, if you even want to call it that. They, these people don't really even talk to each other. They're more back and forth through, you know, text messaging and this sort of thing. And when you, you know, when we don't socialize with other people like we're meant to be and meant to do as children, you know, that's not normal. We don't develop the same way as we're supposed to be doing, you know, which means real human contact. So this is the generation we're seeing with the first full generation with that lack of, a, a, let me say, a moral compass, so to speak, Something that guides us, uh, and which is what we learn from experiencing in situations with other kids, with peers. Now, this is not a, this is this is becoming now the new peer activity, I guess. But the hor- horrendous and evil behind it is something else uh, altogether. So, and some, uh, there was another question about why would this man do this to his girlfriend? I don't believe they were uh, boyfriend girlfriend. I, my, I my understanding was this was their first date. Not that that makes it any. Any less horrendous, but to, to clarify who, what makes these people do this, um, Emmy and, and everybody else listening, we don't know. And this is the scary part. And I talk about this in my new book, Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death. We are breeding a nation of narcissistic, uncommunicative, um, antisocial people. So what evil lurks behind this must somehow be connected. The common denominator I found is that, you know, since 1978, technology has taken over human connection. So we're seeing, you know, we hear these these horrible crime stories all the time. The rapes and the, the, what, what people do to their babies and what they do to each other. So, you know, they, we're really looking at an, an epidemic of evil in this country. And I wish I could answer specifically what's making this happen. But my I wish I could, is, too, yeah. Well, that's the question. We, that's yeah. why we're here. And, you know, psychology can't name these people because, you know, like I, they want to kick out the, the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder from their records. Um, and that was in 2013. They wanted to eliminate it because the the diagnosis of narcissism or self-loving, uh, self-absorbed, soulless, remorseless people has become too common. Now, get that, too common to be called a, a regular personality or uh, emotional disorder anymore. Speaking about that, Leo, speaking yes. about that. Shut me up, I mean, John. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, 
I, I, when we look at these cases that I got murder on my mind and my mind on murder, I mean, you've got a guy here that fits right into this pattern. And I, and, and, and I'd like you to focus on him. Psycho Sam. Tell me about him. Psycho Sam is a 20 year old man. His real name is Sam McCroskey. Okay. Sam lived in California. Um, what I know about his background is, uh, he was teased as a child for his, for his being overweight and being a redhead. I don't know why that's funny or anyway, but he was, he was harassed as a kid. He lived a very, very isolated life, uh, in a broken home. I think his mom left him and he was raised by his father, who's a, a guitar player in a rock band, uh, who introduced him to a, a lot of different types of music. And the kid spent most of his time, if he wasn't in school, online, uh, playing video games, violent video games, and uh, attaching himself to um, a band style called horrorcore. Okay, this is this is a I don't know if that, that type of music is still around, but horrorcore. These guys in the band that were interviewed, this horrorcore band, described themselves as the rejects of the rejects. Just Whoa, the reject, the reject. Did this guy, this guy was rejected also, you're saying, by these other kids? They teased him and picked on him and bullied him and everything? All through, all through school, John. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Go ahead, yeah. Okay, so there, there we got the seeds planted. So he met this girl online who was also interested in horror core. Um, this girl lived over in Farmville, Virginia, okay? Um, and, uh, her name was Emma Nieder, Nier, Nierbrock, Emma Nierbrock, and a young girl, uh, she lived out in the sticks in Farmville, but she got hooked into this horrorcore, uh, music as well. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not blaming horrorcore for any of this, but that's how they met. They carried on in, uh, what they call dating online for over a year. I don't know how that works, but of course they were in a new generation. <laughs> <laughs> date online. Up with okay. Psycho Sand. He was dating Psycho Sand. But that was his name. He, he was also like a wannabe rapper for a hardcore, uh, Horrorcore. So he's trying to do that in his spare time. I think that failed as well. But anyway, he meets this girl. They, he's fine. They talk on the phone. They talk online. And, um, they're, uh, the, um, horrorcore band that they wanted to see was having this big, this big concert in Michigan. So that was a big way to, like, all these fans were going to go there. It was a big, exciting deal. So what they worked out was that Psycho Sam was going to fly over to Virginia and go with Emma. And her friend to this concert in Michigan. Here okay. Comes concert. Here comes Psycho Sam. Here, right. here. <laughs> now this, let me say, this must have taken every ounce of strength and, and determination this guy had because I think he probably was scared to death to do this. But let me get it to the story. So they, they're going to the airport. The girl and her friend are in the back seat while, uh, her mom and her dad, Emma's mom and dad were driving the car because they were going with them to this concert. They agreed to let her go, but they were going to go as well. Good parents there. Okay. So the, the kids are sitting in the airport waiting. This is the first time they've ever met in person. And the guy's walking in on the, off the, uh, the tarmac there in the ramp and she sees him and she, her heart drops. She goes, this guy's not right. He's creepy. I don't she like that. As soon as she saw him, Leo, she as figured soon out. she's got a bad feeling about, bad she, vibe about this guy. Exactly. Ken, right across her. And that I think lit the fuse in this guy. But anyway, so now she's thinking we got to go to this concert together. He's going to be with us for a week because that Ooh. was the arrangement. Yeah. So they now they got a 10 hour drive to Michigan from the airport. There's silence in the car, completely awkward. You know, <laughs> nobody knew what to say. Psycho Sam was not who he said he would be. So he, can you imagine this little girl and, and her friend? I guess she picked up on it too. Dating online, dating yeah. online. Yeah, you, you never show, don't know what you get. So they, they go to the show. The girl and her friend have a wonderful time. Lots of people having a good time. Psycho Sam could not fit in there either. That's what I'm saying. The rejects are the rejects. If this guy couldn't fit in there, you know, there's a problem. So he spent the night outside of the concert uh, kicking rocks and kicking garbage cans or whatever the case might be. So, you know, he wasn't kicking a dog. So he's thinking now 
I, you know, I'm got to spend another week with these people. She's in there, the girlfriend having a good time. He's thinking I got to go to back to Virginia with these people and spend a, a week at their house. Now this guy's got no social ability, no social skills. He's fueling angry now. If she would have only loved me when I got off that plane, this would have never happened. So you know, a lot of blame is building up in this guy's head. So concert ends. They drive back to Virginia. And, you know, taking the, they stayed with, um, with Emma Nieder, Niederbrock's mom. Uh, Emma's friend Melanie stayed as well. And they lived together. Uh, the, the, Emma's, pa- Emma's parents are, are separated, but, but friends. Anyway, so they're in the house and then they're not there more than a day or two. And this guy goes outside late at night one night, smoking pot, drinking beer, taking pain pills. And what's he do? He gets a sheath from somewhere in the backyard. A sheath is a, a big grass cutter that you do by hand. Slaughters the three women within Whoa, a fifth. Whoa, this guy's Slaughter, all jacked John. up. He's all jacked up on yeah. drugs, and now he gets a weapon. All right. Yeah, but Okay, so he, and why? Why? Because he is so far gone into this, how am I going to get through this week? He didn't have a flight back to California for another week, and he didn't have the money to, to take an earlier flight. Instead of just saying, I can't deal with this, I want to go home. He could have even said, I'm sick. Is there some way I can go home? But he did slaughter them. Now, I I don't think this guy went there thinking he was going to kill them. However, in his past, in his history, the songs he wrote or or rapped about were about slaughtering, murder, and death. So the guy had, well, you could tell me what you think. Is that something that could have, um, well, it was in his head, right? Oh, absolutely. For for him to take the... The name Psycho Sam, for him to be writing lyrics about slaughtering people, I mean, for him to be watching these violent videos, what he is doing is kind of brainwashing himself and kind of heading into this psychosis, if that's what you would call it, Leo. I mean, this guy looks like he's on his way to... uh, you know, just uh, get rid of these people because he doesn't know how to act around them. Now, there's something else you brought out, Leo, that's very, very important. And this is when you and I were talking. You were talking about him not only being rejected by these kids and teased and everything, but also he wasn't he rejected by his mother at some point? Yes, he was. And you're right. That's a very good point I left out. She left the house and he really has not much of a relationship with her for many, many years. And the father's distant as well. I think. Oh, oh. And I'll tell you what happens when the the police go to his house in California. But uh, what the father said. But so this is his his solution. Okay, he just lost it. And he lost it. I I truly don't believe he went there with the intent to kill. But he was so socially maladapted, so unable to communicate like a real person without a computer stuck in front of his face. Yeah, talk about his feelings, yeah. Right. So this is like the, 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 the top of the food chain of today's generation. Okay. Not all kids are like this, but we need to be careful with who our kids are talking to online. But anyway, that's another story. So anyway, a couple of days go by. This guy's living in the house with these dead bodies. He slaughtered three of them at this point. He killed, slaughtered three of them. Three women. Three women. Okay. okay. Three point. women. Okay. The, the mom. Uh, the mom, his, the girlfriend, Emma, and her friend, Melanie. So a couple days, I think three days go by, and uh, now Melanie's mom is calling Emma's father, saying, I haven't heard from my daughter in, in a few days. You know, what's going on? So he goes, let me go over there and see what's going on. So the um, Emma's father goes over to the house. Five o'clock in the evening, walks in. Uh, Psycho Sam is lurking somewhere in the dark. And comes from behind him and slaughters him with the same with the same uh, sickle same or whatever weapon. the hell is. Sick, yeah, it's... that's it. Sickler, I think that's right. The thing the uh, Grim Reaper carries yeah, around. Yeah, he slices them up. He slices, so, he slices and dicing everybody in the house. So there, there, there's four dead now. Now he's thinking, I got to get out of here, you know, because what else happened was eventually the cops came because the father never got back to the girlfriend's mother. But the cops came, and they he told them, oh, they're all at the movies. But there was some note that the cops smelled death around the house. But nobody looked around. He, they didn't investigate. They let it go. Oh, brother, they let it go. They didn't look through the house? They did not oh, look through the house. Oh, 
Well, the good news is he didn't get far. He stole the family's car. He wrecked it, uh, banged it up against a phone pole, and then the cops came again, and they let him go. Oh, and my they God. Said, okay, just get out of here. This is like uh, Keystone Cops here. I'm telling you, Farmville. But so he eventually winds up at the airport where he decides to you know, sleep in the waiting area, waiting to get to uh, get, get his finally get his flight back home. You so want to get out of town fast, yeah. To can and the security people, the security guards talk about you know who's the law enforcement there. They find him. They smell death on the guy, and uh, that's eventually when they put two and two together because the bodies were found. And he admitted it. He he did admit it. And when he was being taken into the police headquarters down there, and he was asked by a reporter, "Why'd you do it?" He goes, "Jesus told me to do it." Yeah. Um, so here we got the you know, four dead people for no good reason other than this guy couldn't talk. So when they go to the father's house to get the to get all of his stuff out of there and, and look through his computer records and things like this, they the father tells him, "Listen, he's innocent until proven guilty." You know, this is the father's response. So what we're seeing, I guess, is our parents that covered him up. And we see this a lot today too. You know, we, these parents are ignoring these potential killers, like you know the school shooters, and and the list goes on. So they're not really. You know, this father didn't know what this kid was up to or what his potential was. I don't know if there was any record or history of mental health uh, being given to him. Probably yeah, we not. We don't have any record. We don't have any record right now. You know, we're talking about a mass murderer here. To mm-hmm. me, that went into a psychotic break. From rejection, 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 rejection from the mother, rejection from the father, rejection from the kids at school. They knew there was something wrong with this guy. He was maladaptive. You nailed it. I mean, well, it happens, just- John. And then, the, but the other thing was the reports of this kid were he was a quiet kid, nice kid. That's always the type, though. He was. He knew he was, the final rejection when it was when he walked off that plane and he picked up on it. And that fuse was lit. That was there. Maybe he thought this girl was going to be, you know, the saving grace in life or something. He, she'd love Psycho Sam. Somebody's going to love Psycho Sam. And it didn't work out that way. And he didn't know what to do with that time together. He felt the rejection. He couldn't deal with the rejection. He knew that he didn't fit in with them and he was going to be rejected again. So before they could reject them, he slaughters them. There you You go. He he Mm -hmm. goes into a psychotic break and he slaughters them. And you know what? You're right. He was very, very quiet and laid back. So is Adam Lanza. So was the other nut butt down there in, uh, you know, California that was shooting everybody on the street. Well, John, Adam Lanza, who we want to specify. Yeah, who's Adam Lanza? Adam Lanza is uh He's the guy from Newtown, right? In from up in Newtown, Connecticut, that walked into the school and slaughtered all the kids and teachers. Right. Quiet guy. AR-15, M-16, AR-15 rifle. Semi-automatic. Sure. Yeah, never know these guys, but the, there are telltale signs, and that's what's important for for the listeners to know and for uh, you know everybody to know. You know, we got to keep an eye on what our kids are doing, and if they're not getting out of that dark, damp, dank basement room once in a while for air, what are they doing in there? Video get killer video games all the time. Adam Lanza. Killer, killer video games all the time. I get upset when I think about it because he wiped all those innocent kids out and all, and 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 killed his mother and everything else, and finally killed himself. But I mean, it just angers the hell out of me. It seems we're running into these real, real violent video games every time we turn a we we turn a corner with these guys. I mean, right. just 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 uh, really, really upsetting, you know. And uh, I'm not blaming it on video games. I'm saying it's in the mix. You know, as you point out in social side, you know, you start to bring all these ingredients, these different ingredients or warning signs into the mix. And the next thing you know, you have an explosion. And that's what this guy was like, Lanza. He was a mass murderer. He was a mass murderer, and we don't know what would have happened after the fact. But however, the guy that he did, he, he copped the plea and admitted to, and I guess he's trying to avoid the death penalty. So he's sitting in a, in a Virginia prison for life now. So he's off the streets. Thank God for that. You know, but the, and, and, um, that's what I say. There's no remorse and no, 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 I'm sorry. No, nothing. nothing. Yeah, he turns How- around. 
turns around and says, Jesus told me to do it. At least he didn't say the devil made him do it. Yeah, but that's probably more to the, the truth than anything, right? But these guys, they, they are, have no soul. And this is what we're looking at in America today. These millennials are lacking conscience. You know, this is to the, the highest degree, but then you've got you know, smaller cases of lack of conscience too and lack of remorse. People do what they want to do and then to hell with everybody else. This is the generation that's been brought up without that moral compass of socialization, learning right from wrong, respect for each other, because you can't, if you're going to let a computer raise your kid, you're going to have a computer for a kid. And computers don't feel. Computers don't feel. They don't care. They do what they want. You shut me down. You shut me off. And that's that. Psycho Sam. Psycho Sam. Sam McCroskey sitting rotten jail. But this is what it is, and the, why he did it is what's wrong with America today and these kids. He's a, I don't know how many Psycho Sams are out there. You know, we don't know. That's why this online dating stuff with kids, I don't mean dating sites, but they're, that's another story. But, I mean, be aware of who your kids are talking to. You know, and I don't know where, um, you know, why Emma's parents weren't more in tune to this, but they let the guy come. But well, they wanted, you know, they stayed with her. They, they chaperoned the trip. I guess that was being, you know, very giving of them or cautious. Her father was a minister, by the way, too. Uh, Emma's, Emma Nita Brooks' father. But, uh, I got one for you here. I got one for you. Talk to me. I got one here for you. This guy was known as the zombie killer well, on the sounds- internet and through his friends. He's known as the zombie killer. What's his name? Does he have a name? Brian Patrick Miller from Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm trying to find out. I'm going over these two murders. Again, he's a person of interest. Uh, Even though he called himself the zombie killer, he has not been convicted of murder yet. But he's a person of interest in two murders of two beautiful young girls. And I'm trying to figure out if this guy's a sexual sadist or a power control murderer. Now, a sexual sadist, so the audience knows, is somebody derives a lot of pleasure from another person's pain and suffering and eventual murder. A power control killer is a killer, and these are both terms for serial killers. A power control serial killer is a serial killer that just wants to have complete power and control over his victim. So I'm not sure what category... This guy's a person of interest in, but anyway, uh, he's a person of interest in, uh, you know, two murder cases in Phoenix. He's innocent until proven guilty. I got to put that out here, Leo. And yeah. what's interesting with this guy, Leo, this Patrick Miller or the zombie killer started at 16 years old, stabs a woman in the back in 1989 at a mall. He gets arrested. Right. When he gets arrested, the cops ask him why he did it. He said he just wanted to see what it felt like to stab somebody. Now, as soon as I hear that, as soon as I hear that, that brings me back to Gary Ridgway, the Green River killer, who I was extremely honored in being in the Green River killer investigation and working with the King County task force on the Green River serial killer out in Washington because finally Ridgeway was discovered. We didn't know who he was when we were first investigating the case, but through DNA, he was was grabbed. Gary Ridgeway was very similar. At the age of 16, where do you just, at the age of 16, now keep in mind, this guy Miller stabbed the woman in the back at 16 to see what it felt like. Gary Ridgeway turns around And he says that he stabbed a six-year-old boy to see what it felt like to kill someone. And that's something that didn't come out until after the murders and after he admitted to 48 murders. Then I think there were two more. So we've got around 50 murders now. He killed 50 people we know of. He said there's another 40 out there they haven't found yet. I mean, but this is wow. what goes in with these people. And and you have to understand, these women were found 
in, uh, you know, like 1990 and 1991, 1992. So what happens is, where's this Patrick Miller, the zombie killer, been for 20 years? I got to believe he has other bodies out there. You just don't, if he is the murderer. He's a person. Wait a minute. Now, FDNA. they got these, they found these murders were in 1990, what, three? I think you're talking 92, 93. Okay, Where's he so yeah. did he, get, he just got arrested for these, John? Yeah, they just got him now on a DNA. They got a DNA match. Oh, and, uh, and I think the reason they got that DNA match is because in 2002, yeah, 2002, he stabbed a woman in the back. Again, on her way to work. She was on her way to work. He asked her if she wanted a ride. She says, yeah, she gets in the car. He drives her over to his place, whatever excuse he used. I don't know. Hey, I got to stop off or come in. I want to show you something. She gets out of the car. She walks in. Okay. This guy's in his 30s at this point in time. What does he do? He stabs her in the back with a serrated kitchen knife. What did he do when he was 16 years old? He stabbed the girl in the back in the mall. Okay. This is his M.O. Huh? He this likes is back, his M.O. This is his M.O. Yeah. The real thing. The real, real backstabber. backstabber. That, I mean, this is the literal. This is the literal backstabber. And this guy, he focuses on if he's the guy, which DNA has him there, he disposes of the body by chopping the body up and disposing of it. And these two girls... Back in, uh, 92, 93, found a canal in Phoenix. Okay. Uh, first, the one girl's torso was found, and like two, three weeks later, they found her head. So, I mean, and this guy has been running around for 20 years. Well, let me tell you what happened to him when he went to jail for stabbing the lady in the back in the mall. Well, hold that thought a minute, John. I think we have to take a short okay, break. Great. But I'm okay, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Crime and Reason on TalkZone.com. Here are your hosts, John Kelly and Leo Battenhausen. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, the, this Miller case, correct, John? Miller? Yeah, yeah, Brian Miller. Patrick Miller, the zombie killer. He zombie even drove killer. around. He even drove around in a police car, decommissioned police car, was dressed up in real punk camouflage kind of clothing and scared a lot of people when he'd show up at these different zombie kind of fan conventions or whatever. But anyway, I want yeah. to tell you what happened with this guy. When he was yeah. 16, when he was 16, he stabbed that woman in the back with a serrated knife. He went off to juvie. So he was in juvenile detention at 16. Okay. They okay. charged him with second degree murder. And guess what? He's Tell only juvenile, so he turns 18. So even though he's charged with second-degree murder, he gets out at 18 years old. He only spends That's like a year and a half, two years, right? He's 18. He gets out, and all those charges are dropped because it was it was his juvenile record. Now when was that now? When was that? That, that was probably in uh, – What year? 91. Yeah, okay. So I then think you they got the bodies found in 92, 93. So he's about 19, 20 years old when these bodies yeah. are found. Yeah. They probably would have convicted him as an adult now, but, but that's a different story. But anyway, go ahead. You said he went to jail yeah, again. Right. right. Especially in Arizona. They would have nailed him. Yeah. Right? Arizona's yeah. doing yeah. it right. Yeah. So anyway, now this guy, while he's there, okay, and, uh, they're doing a report on him. Uh, they find out a little bit about him, and the the judge felt that he should be in some kind of sex offender program, and the reason for that is because when they evaluated him, the evaluation revealed, now get this, that this guy had superior intelligence. It is also revealed in the report, the evaluation, that he managed his feelings through fantasy for escapism. Now, I got to tell you, in every serial killer that I've ever profiled, 
We have the fantasies, and we have them escaping into the fantasies. What does okay? that mean? What does it mean escaping into the fantasy? In other words, they cannot deal with their reality. So just as if they were taking a drug, they have to escape into the fantasy of having complete power and control and sexual dominance over a woman. So, so this is what they're doing when they're killing or when they're not killing oh, or both? Oh, man, all the time, all the time. The fantasies are going on all the time, day in, day out, every waking hour. Okay. They're, that's why these guys really never amount to very much in, uh, in their careers or professionally because they're always in these fantasies. They, you know, It's just like being addicted to heroin or something. They can't give it up. And eventually the fantasy gets to a point where they need to take action. Then they go on the stalk, and that is very mm-hmm. stimulating to them. And what they're doing is they're making their fantasies come real. They're bringing them into real life. And that's what this guy had at this early age. This was identified between 16 and 18 years old inside the juvenile prison they have up there, juvenile detention center. And Mm -hmm. the judge, um, or I'm sorry, going back to the uh, evaluator again, they said that Mr. Miller... Uh, is emotionally immature and is filled with destructive impulses. Now, the judge hears about this, and the judge says, hey, look, and I want this guy, and I'm strongly encouraging and suggesting that, he, suggesting that he be put into a juvenile sex offender program so that I could keep a better eye on him. But he yeah. never was. But he never was. And... uh the other thing. Wait a minute. We got it, this guy with. Hold on. I don't, we got this guy yeah. with superior intelligence. Yeah. But no, no emotional maturity. Exactly. Exactly. How does that work? That is the, and isn't that unbelievable? And and unbelievable. What is a freak of nature? This guy. He was. And then they brought out that he had extreme sexuality issues that created this internalized volcanic rage now what happened with this guy is you know then he went on his way and he moved to washington but i got something i just want to bring up there's another guy by the name of edmund kemper i don't know if you've ever heard of edmund kemper i've heard the name what did he do i do know the name edmund kemper is a serial killer from the 70s the early 70s in San Jose, California, he was known as the co-ed killer. And Edmund Kemper operated at the same MO as this guy. He had a very, very high IQ, and he was a slicer and dicer, just like this guy. He loved to stab women. And I really believe that knife to these kinds of guys becomes a phalanx symbol. Okay, they are so sexually inadequate. That this knife is exact, is, is their penis. They're using a knife as their penis to enter someone's body, a female's body. Is that okay? what you're saying is a failing symbol? That's what, that's what that means? Failing symbol, yes. Yes, I'm not oh. pronouncing it right. But I'm telling Sorry, you this, then Edmund Kemper is doing life in a California prison. Uh, Edmund Kemper also started off at 15 years old. This guy started off at 16. Edmund started off at 15. He killed his grandmother and his grandfather. He was sent what to live with them. What they do with him? Yeah. He, what they, they do with him then? They put him in jail until he turned 18. He got out of juvie at 18, or they put him in an institution. 18 years old, he walks. He becomes this co-ed serial killer, slicing and dicing. Killed six women that they know of. His final victim was his mother. He kills her. Very similar kind of criticizing, demeaning mother who abandoned him. Very similar to this uh, Miller guy, you know, the zombie killer. Very, very yeah. similar mothers. And in the end, Kemper cuts her head off and is sitting there with her head when the cops come. He actually calls oh. the cops. He actually calls the cops on himself. Because he knows he's out of his mind. He knows he's gone. He knows he's really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Edmund he, Kemper turned himself in, and 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 he was sitting there with his mother's head when they. Is came. he that really tall guy? Tall. That guy's yeah, like six right. eleven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you I got totally him. Yeah. I know him. this case. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, I remember and, that guy. And again, oh. here we have rejection, rejection, rejection. Yes. You know, he was rejected, rejected, rejected. Okay. And then this other guy you're talking about that fits your book like a glove, you know, rejection, rejection, rejection. Only this guy isolated himself and alienated himself from, uh, the vast majority of people. I guess he just, uh, as far you know, as we know. Off. Yeah. And, and, and lived with his computer and, and, and uh, had no social interaction with anyone except on the internet. Which, uh, you know, we can call it social interaction, but how social is it, to be honest with you? So. They're not social at all. And this is the thing, this rejection thing, you know, is that, uh, I guess that's, that's, uh, present in a lot of these, these criminal minds, but I, that, that, I don't think that applies to today's kids, or maybe it does. That rejection, because they're not being adorned, so are we talking narcissistic with these, even with these older ki- serial killing cases. They want to be adored. You know, so that if they can't be and everybody rejects them, they feel like they got to go slice and dice and cut heads off. Well, that's they- the extreme. It's the extreme narcissism you talk about. It was alive and well many, many years ago before you wrote social. Right, I know. That, see, this is what you're talking about. This extreme pathological narcissism where criticism is not considered constructive criticism. Okay. It's considered something that's demeaning. It's considered rejection, and as we know, rejection is another form of abandonment. So, so, you know, you look at both of these guys, and both of them, after being rejected, it's triggering these abandonment issues that they're probably not even aware of, that is triggering this volcanic rage to slice and dice and stab, you know, some little girl. You know, well, you know hey, it Lee. sounds like you're a well. You, it sounds like you're going down a road of blame here, John. I don't know if I have to agree with that. Is that what you're saying? So they reject that this is why they do what they do. And what do we do with that? I don't buy that. Well, see, there's a lot of people that get rejected all every day, and they live a life of rejection. They don't become this, these monsters. And these, absolutely these, true. Absolutely. All right, we agree on that. Yeah, absolutely, we all agree. Right. And that the vast majority of people they get reject that it happens all day in and all day out, they don't become serial killers. However, some serial killers cannot handle the rejection. You know, not everybody that gets abused becomes a serial killer. No, but pretty much, Leo, every serial killer, when you look into the mix, there's been abuse. Yeah, we can talk about the, you know, the bad seed, the warrior gene. We can talk about you know, the environment they grew up in, and we can talk about being teased as a kid growing up, you know. But what happens is you have this mix. You have this mixture that takes place, and I'll call it the toxic, murderous mixture that takes place with certain people who are susceptible, genetically susceptible, to become extremely violent. And these are a couple of these people. I mean, they're not every day, but you know what, Leo? They're out there, and I think we're going to see more of them because we are we are seeing less and less of 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 people and kids and younger people with a conscience, and as you call it, a soul. And you and you yes. write that up very well in your book, and I I think that's uh, you know that's very very important, Leo. This guy, this guy, you know the. Uh, uh, this, uh, you know, zombie killer guy. The cops are going through his house right now and they're calling it a hoarding site. Would you like to tell the audience about hoarding? What the heck is a hoarding site? This house, they said, so thousands of items that they've got to go through. Well, you know, hoarding, a lot of people are very interested in this subject. There's that television show, Hoarding. Yeah, people are fascinated yeah, by yeah, this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a very complex disorder, you know, and people think it's associated with, uh, um, certain core vulnerabilities or, you know, de- depression, uh, anxiety, although something about history, you know, OCD or ADHD. Um, they, people have this, they put these attachments to these items as if they're real or alive, okay? And they can't seem to part with them because they become so such a part of their their being 
And this is all very, you know, pathological and very sick, actually. Because, so, you know, normal people get rid of stuff and they don't have a problem with it. It's a thing. But these people are so attached to these things because they're, they put themselves, uh, their, their being, their personalities are in these things. And the thought of letting them go is actually the thought of letting pieces of themselves be taken away. That's the underlying issue here. Now, ah, they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to give it away. Way. They don't want to be taken away. Pieces right, it's like that for them. Right, pieces of me. You're taking. That's why with these, when they go in to clean out these homes, these people get so. It's so hard to do and convince them because you feel like you're stripping them of their personality. You're stripping them of what's who they are. You know, like for you or me, it might feel like we're losing a leg or an arm. You wow! Know, like, wow! Well, yeah. It's like an extension of themselves. Okay, it is go definitely ahead. Yeah. okay. So they, right, this becomes their life and who they are, and and who they are and who they've been. So taking it away, it takes a lot, a lot of work. But I also see hoarding as a, as a form of deviance. You know, nobody talks about that side of it. I think it is very deviant because you know you've got people that hoard animals, live animals. You know, and that's not, you're not taking the welfare of these animals in, 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 into consideration here. You're thinking about yourself. This is what I want, and I'm going to have these animals, dogs, cats, birds, uh, and living in their feces and living in their sickness. These animals always get sick. Um, so that's the deviant side of it. And also, there's parents who raise their kids in these houses that are filled with stuff, garbage, again, animal feces, Trash, you know, who knows what kind of bugs and, and vermin are roaming around in these houses. How so about it, necrophilia? How about necrophilia? What if I was to tell you that this guy I was telling you about earlier when I was talking about Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, was a necrophiliac, okay, and loved to spend time and a lot of time with the dead bodies he accumulated with the dead women that he sexually abused and murdered, okay? Now what if I'm to tell you that when we turn around here and we talk about our co-ed killer here, Edmund Kemper, what if I was to tell you he, in his slicing and dicing, was a necrophiliac as well? He liked to have sex and spend time with the dead women, their bodies, and do what he wanted with their bodies. Now, let me finish, because the other guy that I'm not sure of here is this zombie hunter, this Miller guy, because here's the question I have. When they found these girls' bodies and pieces in these, in these, in this canal, they found these two women sliced up in this canal, did he do this for body disposal just to get rid of the evidence and rid of the body? Or did he keep them for a certain length of time to spend time with the dead? And part of his sadistic ritual was chopping them up. And I don't know if he did that if they were dead or alive. I guess we'll have to wait for a medical report. So, so the, what do you think bodies, about that? Well, the bodies they found were not dismembered. The ones they that were, were found. They okay, were they dismembered. Were. But yeah, well, what is that? Was that for body disposal or was that for, I see, this is the question. Was that for body disposal just to get rid of them? Or did this guy have them in pieces like Jeffrey Dahmer laying all around his house for a while? Well, that, well I'm thinking you said that, that was a highly intelligent guy, right? And he hasn't been, he's been under the radar now for how long? A 20, oh, they just got 20 him. years or oh, something? Yeah, they just got him. Off so the, off the radar for 20 years. Where the hell has he been? We know right, this, so, this is an addiction. So the question, like we're Murderous saying, addiction. What we're saying then is that this guy, we don't know how many bodies he might have left behind. Exactly. So did he, you know, he must be, you know, he must be using that intelligence to somehow, you know, get what he needs from these these women dead or alive, and then is very good at maybe cutting them to pieces to dispose of them all over the place in order to not get caught. That's my guess. Yeah, it's um, exactly You're exactly correct, Leo, because that's okay. it's one thing or it's the other. And if he was that good that early on, how much better did he get over 20 years? I need to know where this guy's been for the last 20 years, what I need to know. Well, and I the would cops to need to know that, too, because you just don't flip a switch like this and then 
turn it off. Again, he's innocent until proven guilty, but they got his DNA right on the bodies. So right there, when there's smoke, there's fire. We all know that. Right. And, uh, certainly them, those missing people and women, I'm sure, uh, all over his area of the world there. Who knows where he's been? He could have been running around the country doing whatever he does. We don't know. But that's a really, that's a scary guy, scary, sick guy, as they all are. You know, but these necrophiliacs, you know, in my opinion, these are, these, these are the women that don't reject them because they're dead. They can't exactly. reject, you know, exactly. they're such cowards, exactly. such cowards and, and such narcissists and sociopaths. They want a woman, a dead body to have sex with so they can't be rejected again. Like exactly, about exactly. It goes back to that and they can have complete Power and control. They can position that body any way they want to. They can do whatever they want to that poor person's body for their satisfaction. And they even keep these bodies around in states of decomposition, don't they? Absolutely. They, they couldn't now, believe How sick they, is this? Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's really sick. I mean, they could not believe... When Gary Ridgway took them to their dump sites and he showed them and told them what he had done. And this is, like I said, at the time, 48 women. Now it's up to 50 or over and they're still counting. He says there's more out there. And my partner who I worked on the case with says there's probably another 40 out there that they haven't found yet. But he would have sex with their rotting bodies for his own sadistic pleasure. And he, and it was on a nightly basis. It was on a nightly basis. He had them all over the place in the woods. It's, it's, you just can't even fathom this stuff. Now here, I'm a psychotherapist, right? I'm supposed to be one of those people that say, well, this guy's got issues. You know, he, something happened in his past. You know, we, he's got real problems. You don't know, you know, they throw, they'll put them on the stand. They get these, these, these paid, uh, uh, expert witnesses to come in and say how sick and troubled he was as a child. And I'm sorry, that's not the type of psychotherapist I am. This, these guys are, they're not sick. They're evil. They're not animals. Animals have more sense and then love and, and, and conscience than they, they do. These are evil people who can, you know, sit around with dead bodies and, and, you know, we're supposed to find a reason to excuse this behavior because they're, as a kid, they were rejected by Sally across the street. I don't buy it. This, this is beyond psychotherapy. You can't help these guys either. There's no treatment for this. Treatment is jail or, or the electric chair. Am exactly. I right? Or, there's no treatment. It'll never change. Exactly. Exactly right, Leo. When we go out to hunt these guys, it's either going to be a cage for life or they're going to end up on the gurney. It's one or the other. When we go after them, Make no doubt about it. If they get caught, it's going to be life imprisonment in a cage for the rest of their lives, or they're going to be on a gurney. I mean, there's not, there's no, there's no coming back from this. This isn't like somebody that relapses from a drug addiction or a gambling addiction. If of you, re- not. you relapse from this addiction, that means you kill somebody. And that's it. And so, you know, we talk about crime and reason. We know what the crimes are and what the reason are in these cases is evil. It's evil and these guys have no soul. They don't care. They don't, you know, I was watching one guy at an interview the other night, but I'll talk about him. Searly, Searles, Sears, Tommy Lee Seals. Tommy Lynn Seals. There you go. Thank you. This guy's telling the interviewer, you know, I I do it because I have to do it. It's a drug. It's a high. He has, and he was asked, do you have anything to say to the people you might have, you've killed? Guy, they don't want to hear what I have to say. Those, those were his words. That, that's an evil being. Okay, there's no help for that. I've Lock been in up. front of these guys. You're absolutely yeah. right. I've been up close and in front of these guys. I've looked into their eyes. I mean, it's like looking at a robot. I mean, they are soulless. Right, so you I mean, can they, see that. I've looked in their eyes. I looked into Henry Lee Lucas's eyes. I've looked into 13's eyes. I've spent so much time with them. And I have to tell you, it's it's as if you're dealing with a shell of a body. But that's a what they robot. are. There's nobody there. Really, there's no conscience. There's no care. There's no concern. There's no soul. And you hear that all the time. If, if you watch uh, anything, any crime television or the news or you listen to the, you know, the stories, that's what these cops and the victims say. I was looking at just a blank 
stare. There was nothing there behind those eyes. You hear it all the time. So these are not human beings we're dealing with. These are demonic monsters. So as, as the Mr. Social, uh, social worker that I am, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just, I have to say, you know, these guys are freaks of nature and you know, like you said, it's only going to get worse as um, as we start losing even more and more connection with each other. People are going to not be able to have relationships because they, if they're narcissistic, they they certainly can't have real relationships. So they're going to take what they want to do and then sleep with dead bodies. Yeah, Sick. and 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 you know, a long time ago, uh, I'm also a forensic social worker, but I was called and I'm told that I am the anti. Anti-social worker, Leo. <laughs> well, I got to give you credit I'm for the that. Anti-social worker. <laughs> you tell it like it is, John. You well, know, they're all you know anti-social disorder. Every one of these guys has it. You know, oh, anti. Uh, I get it. it you get it now. That's <laughs> anti-social worker. <laughs> uh, that's God what bless you. Yeah, you gotta get, you gotta check out Leo's book, Social Side, if you ha- if you want to get an idea of what's heading this way, because there's more kids that are getting treatment for mental illness than ever before. Is that correct, Leo? That is correct. And there's more emotional and social disorders being diagnosed to our little kids today than ever before. What's going on with that? Well, that's another topic for another day. But yes, the doctor, psychiatrist's office are being filled with little kids with all of these social and emotional disorders. Something is going wrong here. And um, yeah, if you want to buy book, I want to make a plug real quick if I can. It's available at barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. It's called Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death. John and I have a website. It's www.crimeandreason.com, and we have emails there as well, john at crimeandreason.com or leo at crimeandreason.com. So check it out. Stop by there, and you can keep us posted what you're looking to hear. If you have any ideas for topics or you want something to be covered, we're, we're more than happy to hear. Oh, yeah. Love to love to hear from you. and. Uh... You know, uh, we want to serve our audience. We're thrilled to have you. We can't thank you enough. Just tell us what you want, and we'll uh, serve it up, as long as it's filled with crime and reason. That's what we're about. So, well, thanks Murder again. Murder and mayhem. Murder and mayhem and whatever we can figure out as to why, John. Yeah, why they did it. And, uh, but anyway, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, I guess we'll have be a good evening, evening. yeah. Have a wonderful evening. We'll in a happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't forget your honey. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next Wednesday, eight o'clock sharp on Talk Zone. Take care now.